Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Afternoon Snack Podcast. Um, I'm doing the intro because I always do the intro because Alex refuses to do the intro. Why is that? Um, I guess I tend to stumble over my words a little bit and there's more pressure on the intro because I don't know exactly what to say. I mean, like I've done it however many episodes we've, I've, there's pretty much a template. I did do it that one time. Yeah. And you made fun of me. <clears throat> so now I've, I did, I kind of sprung it on you though. You did. I've heard this thing a while back that one of the hallmark traits of an introvert is that when they have to think in order to talk versus an extrovert who has to talk in order to think. So I wonder if that's part of your struggle also being more on the introverted spectrum than I am. Yeah. I, I would imagine that is partially the case. Yeah. I think that's one of the like disadvantages introverts in like interviews and social scenarios because someone asks them a question and where the extrovert just starts like blurting out whatever and is immediately engaging the introvert sits there like a kind of a weirdo just like please give me a moment with my thoughts (laughs) but or i just get up and leave yeah (laughs) like okay i'm done here Anywho, all right, so what are we talking about today? Let's go, let's do general overview and then we'll get into it. Okay, so we're going to talk about, we'll do, we'll review the, what what our thoughts were on the CrossFit Games. Oh, we're going to review the CrossFit Games. (laughs) Just our thoughts. Yeah, quit, we, we've had some people ask and it's interesting because we're like involved with it and we'll talk about that. I thought it was cool. Yeah, I liked it. Um, and then we are going to talk about the most annoying thing of all time and it's why we can't stop craving M&Ms. Yeah. And I think it's going to be like, it's going to hit home with some folks. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking in the car, I have like, I have even more examples of, I mean, we won't get into, I don't want to spoil it. So we'll save that. Um, all right. So 2020 CrossFit games. Um, if you don't follow along, like there was a period of time where it looked like it, they weren't going to happen. Cause it was like, all right, so all the sanction events got canceled with absolutely no plans to have them. So it's like, all right, the games are going to go online. Are they going to be in person? Is it going to be top 20, top 10? How's it going to work? All right. It's going to be top five at the ranch and then everyone else is going to go online. And so I think like a lot of people, I didn't know, like, I didn't know what they were going to be. I didn't know. I was sitting here like, just cancel it. Yeah, you were. That was like way back. Like, just cancel it. I'm like everybody else is canceling it. Just give up on it, you know? Well, I think the like, struggle was like when you compare the, the games to, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, the NBA made it happen or like the NFL is going on MLB, that kind of thing. And it's but like, it, but they weren't for a long time. They weren't. Yeah. And they, and that's when I was like, okay, if everybody else is like canceling, yeah like why hasn't the crossfit games well and it's like hockey completely canceled like Mm -hmm. just pulled the plug and then um you know ncaa basketball was gone um the nba schedule got pushed like it just all these sports or like these big sports organizations made it very public that they were not interested in having events like in covid time unless they could absolutely ensure that they were safe and then like the summer kind of went on and all right. So the NBA kind of invented this whole bubble idea 
and it's like what the hell is there an actual bubble like what is the bubble well there's covid in the bubble yeah covid got in the bubble well not the nba oh okay so the nba, NBA the mlb baseball failed at the bubble yeah. nba was really the only organization that was successful with the bubble idea and then arguably crossfit was because as far as i know there have been no i mean has it been it's only been one week yeah i mean we don't know but they but, kind of adopted the yeah. bubble idea from the you know from the nba and so but anyways I, that's a bit of a tangent all of these organizations nba mlb nfl like they have m- like millions and like basically an endless amount of money and to which uh, with which to create, you know, whatever infrastructure they want. And you have CrossFit, who's just kind of the, you know, the little guy. Um, but anyways, um, I thought it went off well. I thought the online portion went as well as it could have gone. It was different. A lot of people were very upset that it wasn't like Rogue because it wasn't live streamed. It wasn't as entertaining to watch. There was the live, you know, the live leaderboard reveals. Um but it wasn't like Rogue where they had four or five athletes on the screen at once all going, quote unquote, head to head. Yeah, but that was the only way. I mean, everybody knows this. The people who complain, most of them know, knew at least that it needed to be done the way it was done for it to be fair. I don't think they knew it needed to be done that way to be fair. But I mean, once you told them, they were like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, as an athlete, like I wouldn't want to be getting up at, no. you know, in the middle of the night to do a workout or even... You know, having to do a, a workout at 6, 7 a.m. would be brutal. So I think it was uh, the most fair way for the athletes to to be as competitive as they Because there's a lot on the line. Like, there's more money on the line than Rogue. You get prize money for winning events. Like, you have to put everybody in a situation where they can do their best. And that means, unfortunately for spectators, you're not going to be able to watch it live. Like, you're not going to be able to see people go head-to-head. And also, like... You obviously can't live stream someone's event if their competitor who is eight hours, you know, behind them can then watch it and understand how to do the event. So I thought it was good. Um, I was really interested. Like the girls kind of, you kind of knew who the top girls were going to be. I would, I would argue against that. Like there were, there are so many top competitive girls and guys that in the top 20, like really you had no, I didn't have any idea. Okay, I, mean, I guess like you kind of knew Tia was going to get in. Yeah, that was a given. But then, like, I didn't think Haley was going to get in, mm-hmm. especially with like a max front squat. Yeah, I I wasn't sure. Like, I mean, you look at there was a lot of girls who didn't get in who definitely could have been at the top. Yeah, like Cara Webb was close. Jamie Green was in the mix. Then there are people like Christy, uh, Christy, Aramo, Aramo, like Andrea Niesler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess what I should have said is I was a little bit more surprised by the men's lineup than I was the women's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there were because you could make that ar- the same argument on the men's, and you kind of got like you got a kind of a weird collection of guys in there. Not like weird, just not the top five that I would have picked. Like I, you know, maybe I would have picked Katrin to be in the top five with the girls because she's fairly consistent, but like. Yeah, really only one of the guys that were in the top five would have been mm-hmm. who I'd picked, and that was the obvious one, right? Yeah. So, um, anyways, I thought the coverage was great for the CrossFit Games. I thought it was really, really good. Probably some of the best coverage that I've seen to date. And, like, again, with only five athletes, five men, five women, it is a little bit easier to cover that field. Um, but I thought it was really cool. 
Um, I thought the events were great, like top to bottom. Really, yeah. ni- really nice events. Um, the first event. What was the first event? Two thousand seven. Yeah, the bar muscle up, the row into the five rounds of bar muscle ups and shouldered overhead. That's just that's one of those events that kind of shows you how good, like how good the field is. Because that's not an event that I look at and I'm like, ah, people are probably going to break that early. And then you you get to like three or four rounds in and there are still people going unbroken on it. Mm. It was wild. Um, which kind of like that was like, all right, so that's how this is going to be. Um, what was your what was your favorite what was your favorite event i i thought that the run with the ranch loop was the best yeah i loved that he surprised them and made them go again yeah um i just thought that added a whole other element to the crossfit games you could kind of see it because he's he's done that before i think and some in like one way or the other, but it was like way back at the ranch when there weren't, you can't, you can't do something like that with a large field of athletes. No, but I thought it was, it was pretty cool, especially the, um, the women, because it was like Haley and Tia together. And I think like, obviously Tia came in ahead of Haley for the first half of that, but I think she like Haley made her work for it. Yeah. A lot harder than I think people realized. And like, Tia just kind of lost it. Like, yeah. she did not want to go again. And oh. that's where, like, I guess Katrin was, um, they did an interview with Katrin. It was like, what was your emotion when you discovered, you kind of found out that you're going to have to turn around and run it again? And she was like, I was excited. I was looking forward to it. And I think that's where you saw, like, she really performed well there because of, like, just the way that she is mentally. And that's not to say Tia isn't mentally strong i just think she really had to push herself to beat Haley on the first half and then Haley just kind of cruised because she's a phenomenal runner yeah i i just for the whole field i thought it was great to basically double the workout without them knowing it mm-hmm. i was reading comments online on instagram about it and people were saying like oh that's so dumb it's like yeah but that's like that's part of the crossfit games like adding another element that workout where some of the athletes had no idea what the workout was going to be in 2018 oh chaos yeah chaos like stuff like that that tests an athlete Mm. like being able to adapt mentally and physically is a really cool way of testing yeah fitness it's probably the most difficult component to test yeah i remember i was training i did this like training camp just like in in in-house one with a few guys and a few girls at OPT and I had it one of the tests was a 10 minute assault bike test for calories Mm -hmm. and you got off the bike so three of us girls did it and then we got off the bike and the guys went immediately after like right away and we got off the bike and our coach was like you have 10 minutes to recover and you're doing it again and I (laughs) and I had the same response that Matt Fraser had to Dave Kasher and I was like what no that's a joke (laughs) Yeah. He was like, I'm not kidding. And I, and I thought like, there's no way I can match even close to that effort. Cause like you've maxed out yeah. and I got on there and I got pretty much the same number of calories. It's, it's quite amazing. Like, you what know you what can you can do. do. Yeah. yeah. What's well, that whole, the idea of like, of endurance and, um, and really it's more like the concept of motivation mm-hmm. and it's, um, 
Yeah, I mean, like Mike would be the one to talk about it, and I think he has, but it's that, you know, the central governor model versus the the psychobiological model of motivation. Mm-hmm. And it explains, like, um, I guess it's Tim Noakes who proposed this idea that your, yeah, you your body self-regulates and it will it'll never let you tap into, like, your actual physical potential because it doesn't want to risk death or whatever happens yeah. if you do that. And then, you know, this other model of motivation kind of suggests that it's like, no, you can tap into that. And like, if that were true, then, um, you know, all these other systems would break down over time. And yeah, it's interesting. There's many tests that show that that's not the case. Yeah. Standout performers from the games. Who do you have? Uh, Matt and Tia. Well, obviously, cause they, <laughs> they won. Do you not, you find it like a little bit annoying? <sighs> yes, I do. What specifically? Um, okay. If we're speaking freely, this is a safe space. Yeah. Right. Um, I know that those two work their asses off. Like, I mean, everyone does to be that good. You have to, mm-hmm. I was a little bit annoyed when Tia was like flexing and stuff after her events. Like, but why? Like mm-hmm. be great, be gracious. And I, I like, I think Matt's fine. Like he's, he's really serious. Yeah. And when they were showing old videos during one of like the breaks, he wasn't like that before. No. And I don't know if that makes him a better athlete being more serious. Some people are better if they're more serious. I don't know. But it's interesting to see his the way that he has, has evolved as a competitor, like his personality. He's extremely serious, at least from what you see yeah. on TV. Tia is just... I think l- she's just kind of awkward. <laughs> With like the flexing, she's been doing that for a couple of years now. And like, it's like, there's okay, you just crushed for the like seventh time in the day your four other competitors. They're still working their asses off. And like, you just, you're flexing on the camera. It's like, I don't know. Yeah. To me, but I, I'm like, I'm, I'm so the opposite of that. Yeah. I think you're, you're just, you're different, obviously. And then the last event bugged me when they did it together. Like, I understand that that event was just a mouthful. And, a plateful, if you will. It was a lot. So to and so as as it coming in with like basically money in the bank. They could they could have sat it out. They could have coasted or sat it out, but like coasted. Mm-hmm. But do they need to coast it together? Yeah. Like to me that was a bit of a slap in the face of the other competitors. Who were like busting their ass trying to like to maneuver to get on the podium or retain their position or whatever. And Matt and Tia are just like they're in the middle they're in the middle two lanes together. They're like, like they're why literally they to get like, why do it together? Yeah. Like I get that they want, it was a p- tough workout and they had that, you know, they have that camaraderie and, but like have some respect for the others who are still vying for it. Yeah. And if, if you're going to cruise cruise, but like, don't be like that. Yeah. I mean, the argument I think is like tour de France, you know who's who's won most most likely you know who's won that on the final stage when they're but the tour de france is a team event to begin with it is and there's and it's ah and there's peloton involvement and breakaways and no one really maneuvers for like anything on the final stage and it's meant to be a celebration when you're riding around the um whatever that center like center thing is in paris yeah and they're drinking champagne like that's what the final stage is meant to be they've been going for what is it a month it's like 21 days yeah yeah also in crossfit like no one 
just takes it easy. Yeah. Like no one in, in, in gyms, nobody in their own training. It's always for time. It's always give it your best effort. And to me, it was like, at least pretend you're trying. Yeah. Like I get they were still trying, but it's like, I don't, I don't know. think that they were. The it's way. like <laughs> Matt's not trying and still like, okay. Tia was trying at the end. She, she was, was getting dragged by Matt. Yeah. Which is, that's fine. But like, yeah, I don't know. I didn't like that look either. I'm not sure that's what the intention was with putting them together. And it's just not something that I would do. But no. then again, like I've never won the CrossFit games <laughs> for four times or whatever. I can guarantee you that if I was in the winning position at the CrossFit games, I wouldn't do that. Yeah um you know different strokes i guess so um that's our personal opinion i will not take away from the fact that they are both exceptional athletes and so impressive you should tell the the handstand right yeah so this the other day we have this workout program and it was it's like every two minutes for five sets 50 foot handstand walk as fast as you can and like i will preface this by saying i didn't warm up at all neither did you uh, but it really doesn't matter. I think the fastest I've ever walked 50 feet on my hands is like 16 or 17 seconds. So um, anyways, we do the first one. I'm like 21 seconds. You're 20 seconds. We kind of go back and forth. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get it in under 20 seconds. Um, and so the last one I did in 18 seconds. And like it felt like I was flying. Um, and I'm not like I'm good on my hands. I'm not the best by any means. But like when handstand walks show up in workouts, I usually get pretty excited so just for fun, I kind of like, all right, so what would, if I maintained 18 seconds per 50 feet, how would that have made, like, how would that have put me? And it was a hundred yards, right? Yeah. Total? So 300 feet. Yeah. yeah. That was the event at the games. So I like math it out and I was like, oh my God, I would have still lost this event by like 20 seconds. Like sixth place. Yeah. Like slower than Tia. No, no, no. I still would have beat Tia. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's funny because like Tia is laughably, like kind of laughably bad at handstand walks <laughs> compared to the field. And it's like, yeah, so I would have beat her by only 10 seconds. And that's if I can maintain 18 seconds per 50 feet, which I'm not positive that I could do With that. no breaks. Yeah. So I, it's wild. Like every, they're so good. Yeah. It's, it's so hard to be competitive in this sport now. Um. But on the last event, like when, as soon as I saw that final event, the Ad- Atlanta, my first thought was like, oh my God, there's going to be so many people that try to do this event in their gym. Yeah. I, I think that if anybody, if I were a coach and if anybody said, Hey, can I try that workout? I would make them prove to me that they could, the test would be this. They would have to complete event one at the ranch, which was 2007 reload yeah in under the time cap for them to be eligible to even attempt the final event and even still i'd probably be like no don't do that like i i don't even see the workout for competition and there's a reason why dave put that at the end of the competition you'd be too messed up to do But we have like we have friends who tested at the ranch and they said like no joke this is the sorest i've ever been after any workout i've ever done yeah and not to mention like your muscle soreness and risk of getting like rhabdo or, you know, overdoing it in some way, but like just tearing your hands. Yeah. Like 300 pull-ups with a vest. It's inevitable. At the end of the workout when you're, when your hands and arms are super sweaty. Yeah. Yeah. It was <sighs> super bad. Like Haley Adams had a hundred, more than a hundred pull-ups to go and her hands were 
gushing blood. Both of them. Like the thought of jumping up onto a bar to do even one more pull up with a vest. Yeah. Like the vest adds a whole other element. Yeah. It's so much force mm-hmm. coming down. It's not even the going up that's hard with the vest. It's no. like the coming down. Yeah. It adds so much on the hands and like the shoulders. Because like arms. arguably if she could have held on to her pace with the pull ups, if her hands hadn't ripped, like she would have podiumed. Because she would have maintained that the spacing. Oh, man. Like, and even Sam Quant at the end doing those singles. Yeah. That looked so hard. Yeah. Um, anyway. So don't do that workout. Yeah. Please. I'm not good. I would never do that unless it was like you're, you're in competition and like you have to earn that torture. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not interested in that. Um, all right. So besides Matt and Tia, who are your standout? I like watching Justin Medeiros. Yeah. He was awesome. I think he's going to be really fun to watch in the coming years. Yeah. And then um, probably Haley. I just, I've always had a soft spot for Haley. Yeah. She's really something. She's got like that, uh, that thing that you can't teach in an athlete, which is just like this competitive drive that's like, uh, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. Especially considering like she is not a strong athlete and it doesn't matter. Like she's the perfect example of, of you just have to be strong enough. Yeah. Which is always, like, I've always appreciated that in the sport because I'm that way. Yeah. You're that way. I remember we trained with Haley Adams back in North Carolina mm-hmm. before the 2017. 17. It was the first year she, she went as an individual to the 2017 regionals. Yeah. So we were training and my coach had programmed for, I think it was like you and me, Jordan Adcock, Haley had come, Kenzie Riley was there. Yeah. Uh, it was Kim there. There may have been someone else or it was just us. Yeah. But basically I think there was like, I can't remember the exact movements. I think there were like bar muscle ups and then dumbbell thrusters mm-hmm. at like 50 or 55 pounds. Heavy. And Haley was this like, she still is a bit of a string bean, but she was like a major string bean back yeah. then. And like, she was struggling with those dumbbells Yep. and did, did the workout. I was like, she's going to get hurt. Like her elbows were like hyper extending yeah. on each rep. I'm like, this girl is going to die. But she like, like quitting she did was, not stop. Yeah. Quitting was, n- it, I don't think that word exists in her vocabulary. No. Yeah. And you can, you can see it like in her eyes. Yeah. So I'm that super really cool. I'm yeah. not surprised that she's doing as well as she is. No, not at all. She's, uh, yeah, I'm excited to watch her in the next, I, I mean, I'm a huge Haley fan, so. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those two were, I think it's exciting just to see kind of the like glimpses of the future of the sport, like with, with Justin, who's 21 and Haley's 19. It's like, okay, there's, you know, Matt's 30, Tia's whatever, like they're going to retire. And then what happens? Like, I'll be excited to, to see what happens after that. Is there going to be someone who is very dominant again, or is it going to go back to like, you know, every year is there's like someone else. What you're seeing now in CrossFit are these athletes like Tia and or not Tia, um, Haley and Justin who are coming up and they their background is especially Justin, like exclusively CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Like they that's their sport growing up. And so you're gonna see I mean, you already see amazing feats of like fitness and strength yeah. from these athletes, but now you're gonna see it's gonna get it even crazier. Yeah, because you're you're not seeing athletes like coming from Olympic lifting or baseball or whatever it is Track gymnastics, and, and like you know morphing into a CrossFit athlete. You're you're getting like a CrossFit athlete from the beginning. Yeah, which is gonna be crazy. Yeah, it's crazy to think about it. 
it means we're doomed yeah <laughs> all those great numbers that we have assigned to our names are just gonna be like yeah cool yeah. i suck yeah we're gonna be those people who did crossfit like, quote you think back, back in to the like day. 2013 or like the mat like there was a hank max hank snatch event yeah and like the events or the top numbers were like 160 yeah and now it's like 215 yep like 200 for snatch for athlete. female is becoming like yawn boring yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh you don't snatch who doesn't snatch 200 yeah. pounds yeah it's cool though i'm excited i've i'm as excited as i've been to see the sport kind of go mm-hmm. so we'll see are you gonna compete anymore yeah i'm doing it this year you're doing I'm it going for it <laughs> yeah i train so hard why not yeah i think you should are you i don't are you know you're gonna be my coach no you said i you said i'm your coach yeah yeah so i don't i don't know if there's enough space or bandwidth for us both to compete and I'm, I'm kind of enjoying not competing right. or training that hard so all right well let's get on with it on to the next so okay. we wanted to talk about this phenomenon and it's all alex's fault alex alex did this to me so why don't you uh why don't you give the background on m&ms and chocolates and okay i mean i am not like a food person i like food it but I'm, I'm very much like I, I've never had a problem with overeating it or having like no control over it. I do enjoy certain things like anybody does. But one thing I really enjoy are like chocolate candies. So M&M's, mini eggs, um, chocolate covered raisins, chocolate covered yeah. peanuts. Those are good. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I'm like and I like them because I don't like I can eat them very slowly. And you don't actually eat that many. Like I usually suck the candy part off and then suck on the chocolate part. Anyway, I've always kind of had like treats um, in the house. Like when I was a kid and we would go out for Halloween, I would like my candy would last the whole year. Like, <laughs> I would take like little bits at a time. So anyways, fast forward, um, I buy would buy like big bags of M&Ms or like a, usually I would have like three different varieties, like caramel, regular peanut. And after each meal, including breakfast, I would have like a couple M&Ms. And so, but the thing is you can't have, you can't be the only one that has M&Ms. I mean, I can, I enjoy them more when somebody else is enjoying them with me. Is it that or is it? Yeah. Well, whatever. She would always deliver me like four, or five M&M's or whatever's in the cabinet. And so now I also eat M&M's after meals, which is not something that I would ever do. I'm not really like a sweets person or a snacks person or whatever. Um, but now I have this M&M thing in my life, which is fine. You can track it and account for it. It's not a big deal. And I don't dislike M&M's, but it's just not something that would be normally be a part of my routine. Yeah. So I made it. I, if you've never heard of Pavlov's dogs, Meredith was basically a Pavlov dog. Yeah, because so you cut them out of your so you Alex is kind of doing this elimination diet again for um Well no, let's back up. Okay. So every time Meredith ate a meal, I would give her an M M&M. and M. Yeah. So like I could give her a meal and she would like be conditioned for an M M&M. and M. Essentially. <laughs> operant conditioning. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah and so then i decided i'm gonna cut out i'm gonna cut that stuff out like all kind of 
processed foods and no gluten like no more bites of my food yeah like i would i don't really eat that much gluten and dairy because it impacts my stomach yeah but i was kind of loosening the reins on myself a little bit so i would allow myself like bites of meredith's english muffin or uh, i would have rice crispy squares like kellogg's with the icing and that mm -hmm. has dairy in it so it's like just tightening up a little bit yeah and m&ms obviously have dairy in them they're chocolate and they're like refined sugar yeah and they're, they're colored and anyway so I'm like, I'll just cut them out. Like how hard is this going to be? So basically just like we finished the last bag and like, I think we took the other chocolate out of the house. Yeah. Gave it to your mom. And you can take it from here. Yeah. And so <laughs> then me, Meredith, never had an issue with sweets, candies, like not a huge food person. I have never in my life struggled with this. Every time I, f I finish a meal, I like walk towards the pantry and I'm like itchy. I'm like, I would kill for an M&M. Like it's this weird, but it literally, every, I would finish eating and I would, I would be able to taste M&Ms. That's how strong the connection was for me, me who doesn't struggle with food. And it's like, now it's pissing me off. Cause it's like, why, why am I craving M&Ms? I don't, I don't want an m and I'm actually happy that they're no longer in my house. Um, because I was getting to the point where I would like, um, kind of go and like, you know, grab them on my own. Um, so I was eating, not just the M&Ms that Alex was giving me, but the M&Ms that I was sneaking in the pantry when no one was looking. <sighs> and so it's just this like annoying thing. And it got me thinking like, you know, there are people out there who, who struggle with food a lot more than I do. And like, you know, they're dealing with this on a daily basis with multiple kinds of food and there's this whole, and it kind of like it got, we had this, this discussion on this movement. That's this like anti-diet movement where you're kind of made to feel like, oh, if you can't live with certain foods in your house, like you're disordered, like you should be able to exist in environments where highly palatable foods are. Um, have no control over you yeah exactly but it's like how can you do that if you've never had control over those foods and maybe like getting them the hell out of your house is step one and having control over those foods yeah and so it's just kind of an it's an irritating concept because we've had clients and people tell us like oh well you know so and so said i should just be able to you know have m&ms at my house and be able to deal with it i'm like well no like your biology is such that you're not meant to be in that situation. Yeah. Like you're working against not just your biology where like the people who survived in society in the like years, many, many years ago were the ones who sought out food and were able to eat high, like m m amounts of fat and sugar that if today you have that drive to eat, you're probably obese. Yeah, it's the the pattern of the... It, and it's because today, like our society, food is unlimited. Yeah. In the olden times, for olden lack times. of a better word, <laughs> ancient times, yeah. primal times, I don't know. Food wasn't like widely available. You're getting like, you know, access to sugar and fat at a very infrequent basis. Yeah. So you need to load up to survive. Whereas here it's like, we're loading up when we're going to like at McDonald's, when we're going to go back to McDonald's the next day, or like we're loading up on cake when like we can go to Costco and get croissants the next day. Yeah. Like 
it's just, just like the drive to like the the willingness to work for food which used to be a really good trait is now a trait that you have to kind of actively fight against yeah and even if you go back a couple like not even that far like two or three generations where like yes industrialized farming is a thing but for the most part you're still having to work to some extent for your food um it was really not until the invention of like modern processing techniques where okay now we really we really don't have to work for our food um and modern transportation like we just as a society got more sedentary so like that the tendency that tendency has a more deleterious effect than it did even 50 years ago in the human population and you see that with the rates of obesity in the united states and in canada um on top of that (laughs) we are so stressed and so tired as it's like like people aren't sleeping enough and they're stressed to the gills about life, whether it's like just daily life or work or whatever. And when you're stressed and tired, like your willpower is already pretty much zapped. So trying to exercise more willpower to stay away from the pantry because you have chippets that you use to bake cookies. Wait, what is a chip it? It's like a chocolate chip. Oh, just call it a chocolate chip. It's like a big yellow bag of chocolate chips, of chocolate chips. Okay. Um, like how, like, you have like why are you trying to exercise willpower that you don't really have much of to begin with uh-huh. when you could just get rid of the chocolate chips in the first place make your life easier so much easier and then yeah. you're not sitting on the couch being like those cho- those chippets are calling my name <laughs> which happens to everybody oh for sure it happened to me I'm like yeah. there's mini eggs and yeah come eat me it's been five weeks yeah. since we got rid of the m&ms it's better now and it's better but i still want them it's like there i don't finish a meal and immediately want chocolate or m&ms sometimes like it happened today when i walk into the pantry to get something else like oh oh they're not <laughs> Even there. my mom who works out sometimes at our house because yeah. we have a home gym when we got rid of the m&ms like it had been two or three weeks and she still goes into the pantry after her workout and she's like oh yeah they're gone your house is no fun anymore <laughs> it was i got to thinking like has this happened to me like you know at other places in my life and i, I like dawn this dawned on me so I used to, I was a swimmer, right? And so in the summer times when I was swimming, summer league, we would have swim practices at like seven in the morning outdoors. And um, I would never eat before I would swim because it's hard when there's something on your stomach. And so I would, I would always be hungry at the end of practice, like kind of while I was still going. And um, maybe like a, like a quarter mile, just a few blocks from where the pool was because the pool was in like a, in the city there was a Hardee's. Have you been to Hardee's? No. Okay. I mean, it's like kind of an Arby's type place. And they had, um, they have, they have biscuits. Cause like from the South and they had these small medallion hash browns, these like fried hash browns that came in like the same sleeve that French fries come in. And so after practice we would go and we'd go to Hardee's and we would buy these hash browns and maybe a biscuit. I don't remember what I used to eat. I distinctly remember the hash browns. They have a very distinct taste. And so it got to the point where I would be swimming and in the last 30 minutes of practice, like I would start to just like think about these hash browns. Like they were, they would dominate my thoughts. Like I could not get out of the pool and get changed and get to Hardee's fast enough. Like, and that's, that's, yeah, that's the only other time I think that it's, happened and uh i mean i'm sure it's happened at other times too but like you're kind of you're so predisposed to that behavior like you don't even realize it that like 
it is operant conditioning. It is Pavlov's dog. You do one thing and you crave a, you know, um, a reward. Cue, craving, response, reward. Yeah. The cue is the pool. The craving is the hash brown. The response is I take my self to Hardee's. So there's a few things you can do. Like you can get rid of the cue, but in our, in our scenario, like we eat meals, you can't really get, a, get over that. You can get rid of the, you can't get rid of the craving because that's just cued by the cue. Yeah. And then the response is to like go for M&Ms. If there aren't any M&Ms, then you can't, you're going to break the chain at some point. Yeah. And sometimes like breaking habits and like response, conditioned responses is extremely hard as we're like even it's been like i said five weeks yeah and like today i still was like damn i know i could really go for an m and i know so it's it's crazy and that behavior pattern exists like it's even in like in non-food scenarios like yeah. um how is it described in that book it's like you know you walk into a dark room you're um the cue is it's dark the craving is you want light the response is you turn the light on the reward. the reward is you can see where you're going now yeah. and where the boogeyman is. Um, so it's like, it's a pattern that exists in all types of behavior. It's just like kind of the first, like your strongest tool in that scenario is recognizing the, the pattern of behavior and asking yourself, okay, what can I, mo- what can I modify? Like maybe for someone who's, um, who drives home from work and they drive past McDonald's and they always stop and get French fry or a McFlurry or whatever. Um, the, the cue for them might be driving down a specific road on the way home from work. Um, so it's gonna be very hard if you're, if you always drive down that road and you always have money on you, which we do, right? Cause everybody's got a credit card. You're always going past McDonald's. It's gonna be very hard to break that. So like in that scenario, the easiest thing to change probably is the cue. So go a different way home. If you go a different way home, you're not passing the McDonald's. You don't have the craving for the McFlurry. You don't have the response of mine, McFlurry, you don't eat it. Yeah. Um, you know, in a different scenario, maybe, um, like we said, the adjustment is not the cue. It's, it's adding more friction to whatever it is that you, um, would typically reward yourself with. Yeah. So maybe it is leaving your wallet at home. So you might be driving, you might go past McDonald's, but you don't have any money. So you can't buy the McFlurry. So it's just kind of, it's identifying where's the weakness in the chain. What's the easiest thing to, to modify or to make more difficult. And then the flip side is that you can make, um, good behaviors easier. So maybe like, maybe now you're driving past the whole foods or you're driving past the grocery store and you stop and you get yourself something to make dinner. Like, um, it's just being willing and able and to kind of objectively observe yourself in any given scenario that you want to change. Yeah step one yeah it's it's interesting um because getting rid of m&ms or throwing out all the junk food in your house might be you know considered uh restrictive or um unhealthy or like you have no control it's like you need to you know you need to learn to have control and like you said this is maybe one way of gaining that control but it's you hear people like getting rid of um certain technology in their house like all right i want to be more productive so i'm gonna keep my phone away from me or I'm going to get rid of the TV or something like that to kind of get rid of that habit of like turning on the TV every night at 7 p.m. or something like that or you know you shut the TV whatever 
getting rid of tech that's not seen as like unhealthy it's not like oh you need to learn how to have control control over your phone or your tv it's like getting putting your phone away is seen as a really good thing in our society today yep but like you you say like hey i i have to throw out all that food in my house or i'm giving you my chocolate because i don't want it around because i can't control myself like that's seen as like you're just a weak person or you know you have a disorder you have a yeah a disorder and you should enjoy the food that you like like me getting rid, rid of m&ms it hasn't impacted my life in any way no nope. if anything i feel better about the fact that i don't need i actually don't need m&ms it was the same thing when i cut out coffee yeah i don't actually need coffee like i feel almost free from coffee because yeah. now every every morning i get up regardless of whether it's at home or even better in a hotel room we don't i don't have to run out the door to go and try to find coffee because otherwise i'm going to get like you know withdrawal symptoms yeah it's nice it's yeah i don't need to carry m&ms everywhere i go or like buy candy at the grocery store spend the money it doesn't looking back on these five weeks my quality of life is not diminished by not have had have not have had m&ms after every meal whereas some people look like in their mind being able to enjoy those good foods as often as they want they think it does impact their quality of life yeah but like if they were to not have you know their favorite food for five weeks would it really be that bad i think you start to learn like oh it didn't actually bring me as much joy as i thought yeah and like yeah you should still include foods once in a while i plan to enjoy an m&m in my near future (laughs) but do i need them every day no no do i need them at my fingertips every day no and like especially when it's getting to the point for somebody where it's causing them to gain weight or be unhealthy, Mm -hmm. then that's like, all right, it's really, it's probably actually impacting your quality of life in a negative way, in a negative way, more that it's more that it's impacting in a positive way by being able to eat it. Yeah. So, I mean, we talk about like, I feel like we always make the connection between like, um, dietary control and like financial freedom mm-hmm. cuz that's an easy connection to make right the behavior patterns are similar there are lots of people who have massive spending problems and they're in a massive amount of debt and it's like <clears throat> in order to have financial freedom like you have to practice a certain amount of restraint on a daily basis with your spending you have to be budget conscious like you have to work hard to make the money that you have like you just have to be aware um you put that same behavior in to someone's nutrition and you have someone who's hyper aware of you know what's going into their body um you know maybe they're counting macros counting calories whatever like that's yeah you you can look at that behavior and say like oh is that a, is that disordered and sometimes it is because there's more of an a you know an emotional connection but you know for the most part like you could make an argument that a certain amount of restraint is necessary in our food society to have uh, health freedom, just like the, a certain amount of restraint with your spending patterns is required to have financial freedoms. Like the difference is, you know, there are scenarios in the financial world where maybe, you know, you've inherited a large amount of money from your parents, you're, you know, second, third, fourth generation, um, you know, in a very wealthy family. And so you can be a spendthrift and you can spend a lot and just kind of be a turd and be fine thinking of someone like Donald Trump, for example. Um, You know, you don't necessarily have to practice a great deal of financial restraint and you know loopholes and you kind of know how you can exist in that world and still, you know, be wealthy, whatever. 
that scenario does not exist in health. Like you don't inherit your health from anyone. Like your health is a result of your daily practice, what you're willing to do, like both with exercise and nutrition. And actually we'll qualify that or explain. There are people who can eat whatever they want and still be skinny, but they are by no means healthy. Mm -hmm. If they're eating low quality food, like they're not healthy. No, it's that whole like, I mean, I, I don't really like the term skinny fat. Like it, it's kind of an ugly term, but there is like definitely a subset of human beings who are metabolically obese, but like will present on paper clinically as healthy mm -hmm. of normal body weight relative to their height and waist measurements. Um, you know, but their, you know, their blood markers are very poor. They're showing signs of type two diabetes, metabolic disorder, heart disease, that kind of thing. What was that? What was that like really popular movie about the guy who eats McDonald's? For a certain number of oh yeah I don't remember the name of that super film. size me or something yeah that like when he went for blood I can't yeah. it was so long ago that I saw that movie uh, yeah I don't but actually the know gist that I've of ever it, seen it basically was like this guy he doesn't actually gain any weight by eating McDonald's every single day for every yeah. single meal but his like health markers diminish very rapidly yeah by eating that food that's kind of like to oversimplify the concept it's you know if all you care about is the number on the scale then calorie is really the calories, the only number you need to worry about. Um, if you care about your health in addition to your weight, then now you need to be concerned with food quality. Mm -hmm. If you can, if you care about your body composition in addition, cause you can't arguably, you, it's difficult to have body composition without health. Yeah. So now you have to concern yourself with macronutrients and food quality and calories and exercise and exercise. Yeah. What yeah. you're doing for training. So, um, yeah, that's kind of a, that's an interesting topic. We should talk about that on its own sometime. But you were, you were saying something about that, like, doesn't exist in fitness, health and fitness. Yeah, you don't inherit your, like, I mean, you obviously inherit your genes, but you can't just, like, your, your ability to be, to have freedom in your health and, you know, to look the way you want, to feel the way you want, to perform the way you want, that doesn't get inherited from your parents. Yeah, that's, that's a, nurture. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's, that's what you decide to do every single day. And mm -hmm. we see like tons of evidence that's that says like you know your genetics kind of load the gun um you know but your body's going to respond to what you do to it on a daily basis or do with it like rock climbers are going to look and, and perform a certain way weightlifters are going to look and perform a certain way um you know you you get to decide when you wake up every single day what you want to do with your body your behavior pulls the trigger yeah and all those people who are sitting like who sit there and they say um well, I just have really bad genetics. It's like you might have bad genetics, but you can control how those genetics present themselves to a certain extent. Yeah. The number of people who have an actual like genetic disorder that affects their metabolism in such a way that they are morbidly obese or like, you know, very unhealthy in that way. Like it's, it's less than 1%, far less than 1%. Um, you know, you might have a more difficult set of genetics that you have to battle with. Maybe you're you're predisposed for high cholesterol or heart disease or whatever. Um, but you, you can combat those things with, with nutrition and exercise. You can, like it's possible. Um, the longer you go without combating those things, the harder it becomes, but it's not impossible. Like we, we know so many people who are on cholesterol medications and, you know, after a year or two with us, they're like, hey, um, I forgot to tell you, but I stopped my cholesterol medication completely. And I've heard that story over and over and over again, just as being part of, you know, the CrossFit space. You hear that story a lot. 
Um, so it's never, it's never too late to make those changes. It's never too late to decide like, um, you want to change behavior, change patterns, improve your health, like never too late to do that. Yeah. So, um, let's wrap it up. Shall we? Yeah. What's your favorite? So since it was just Halloween <laughs> and we were just I talking was gonna about ask candy, you what your favorite M&M was like color or flavor? Uh, not color. They all taste the same. Blue. Meredith. All right. <laughs> like you have, okay. So remember those hazelnut ones? Well, everybody knows the flavors. I mean, maybe they don't. No, there's like new ones out. I know. There's like hazelnut, pretzel, crispy, almond, peanut, uh, regular peanut butter, brownie, peppermint, <laughs> white caramel, chocolate. Yeah. 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 There's a coffee nut one too. Yeah. That one's gross. Yeah. We did buy that one once yeah. at the candy store. My favorite, because you're asking, is the crispy M&M. Okay. Because yeah, you have an issue with the hazelnut ones. I don't... The hazelnut one... Like, you're putting... Now you're putting Nutella in an <laughs> M&M, and now I can't stop. Like, those are... Don't... Don't... If you're... Don't buy those. Yeah. Don't just and don't. And the brownie ones are good, too. Yeah. I mean, they're all good. What's your favorite? I mean, the classics are pretty good. You can't mm. really go wrong with peanut or the regular. Sometimes with the regular ones, I like to suck on them and see if I can get all of the candy coating off and just see like how long I can keep the M&M in my mouth without accidentally crushing it. That's how I eat all the M&Ms. <laughs> Do you ever get a peanut without a peanut? And yeah, that's like, like jackpot. Oh yeah, it's like so much <laughs> delicious chocolate. Yeah, that's pretty rare. <laughs> that's basically what a brownie M&M tastes like. No, the brownie ones were kind of mushy. They I had brownie batter in them. Yeah, I didn't like the brownie ones as much. Um... All right, what were you going to ask me? My favorite chocolate bar? Like Halloween candy. Okay. So if you're in the U.S., you won't know what I'm talking about, but an O. Henry chocolate bar. What's in that? And I'll give you the U.S. equivalent. I think it's like, okay, it looks like if you've ever seen Caddyshack, the chocolate bar gets, that gets thrown in the pool. But what's in it? That's what it looks like. Okay, but that's what most peanuts. chocolate bars look like. <laughs> <laughs> peanuts caramel i think there might be some nougat yeah so like a babe ruth like fudge i mean i don't know i don't think i've ever had a babe ruth yeah i think a babe i think that's a babe ruth in the u.s well it's delicious yeah so the ones that exist in canada that don't exist so like an arrow bar is like a crunch bar no arrow is like you have it's like bubbles i know oh okay like a crunch bar okay it's like puffed rice no no there's nothing arrow bar is just chocolate oh, okay it's got air bubbles in it that's bullshit it's, it's nasty it's good you've never had one i'll yeah. buy you one okay um my favorite candy bar for halloween is a kit kat it's my dad's favorite yeah delicious that's all right i really like if you like i like the crispy m&ms and they, i like um like wafer and crunchy stuff how do you eat a kit kat bar though not like a psychopath okay you don't just like bite no. the corner you off break them off okay and then what and then do you just eat it normally yeah okay because i like eat all the chocolate oh my god you around. break the shell off don't you why are you why are you like i this? eat like the ends and then i eat like the sides and then usually i'll leave the top and bottom because the chocolate layering uh-huh. is so thin up there and below so I'll leave that and eat the cookie part. That is bizarre. <laughs> I'm imagining myself doing it now and it's making my mouth water. <laughs> Here we go again <laughs> with the offering conditioning. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anything else? 
you want to tell the people? No, I think we're not necessarily saying that you should like take all of the bad or I, I shouldn't label food as bad, but more like less nutrient dense or preservative filled food out of your house or the stuff that you enjoy. It's certainly fine to have that food, but also recognize that like maybe it's better if you didn't and like try an experiment. What would it be like if you, you know, took it out of the house or didn't even take it out of the house. Like try to will yourself not to eat it, use your willpower and Mm. then take it out of the house and see what the difference is. I know a lot, a lot of people struggle when they've got kids and there's things, yeah. you know, snacks and things that they like, their kids like to eat. But this one time, um, I'll tell a story and then we can leave. <laughs> I forgot to tell this story earlier. So one of my, the things that I like, I don't struggle with food. Peanut butter pretzels are a bit of an issue for me. I, one time I bought those cause I was like, they're an easy carb. They've got a little bit of fat. They're delicious. They've got salt. So I bought this like tub of them from Costco and they were in my apartment. This was back in Raleigh. And, um, and I would just, I met, I like log them or whatever. I would have like a cup of them a day and all of a sudden I'm just like getting handfuls and I'm like, okay, this is getting out of control. So I decided I would just throw them away. Cause I'm like, I don't want to deal with that. Like, I don't want to get into this habit. So I, I put the container of them in my, in the garbage. And next thing I know, I'm eating fucking like <laughs> peanut butter pretzels out of the garbage. <laughs> and so, um, I was like, all right this is not good and so then i walked them out and that was when i lived in that place with the parking garage you were there you remember and so i walked them out all the way to the parking garage which is far like far away from my apartment and put them in the garbage in the parking garage and i was like all right if i'm eating them out of the garbage in the parking garage i've got a real problem but i didn't that worked so that was the last time i ever bought peanut butter pretzels i know people who like had to i think my mom told me this one she like had to she throws stuff in the garbage she has to pour dish soap on top of it yeah she doesn't do that anymore. She doesn't buy things that trigger her like that. Yeah. Like chips and things. But yeah. The one time we were in Miami, this was the t- first time I like re- saw this side of Meredith. And we had the most delicious tortilla chips. Okay. Well, tortilla chips are <laughs> a totally different top. That should get its own podcast. I was like embarrassed for you. <laughs> I have a problem with they, tortilla I think they were chips. like unlimited and I was like, please stop. No, they were the blue, the like thick ones. We had to they pay were. for those. Those oh, okay. were delicious. They, um, yeah, because we got ones brought to the table. Yeah, and then you bought like the special, and they were like deep fried and like warm and like they were if like you triple can imagine, thickness. Like, a gooey tortilla chip. They're so but also good. still crispy. That's what it was. Yeah. Anyway, um, we don't buy tortilla chips either. Yeah, I'm like I like how I sit here. I'm like I don't have a problem with food, and then I'm like, well, I have a problem with peanut butter pretzels, <laughs> and also like, how does endless chips and salsa work does do like do they just stop or like do i die like how do i stop <laughs> eating chips and salsa i'm sure everybody has those foods yeah i have a problem with like cake with icing yeah like i i can't <sighs> but yeah. luckily that only comes around once whenever we decide yeah. to get cupcakes anyway all right well that was fun <sighs> tired i made you yawn <laughs> that's the best they say that that reaction is is like primal monkeys do it too when huh. one monkey yawns another monkey i don't yawns. think they actually know the reason why no they don't do they even know why we yawn yeah it's to, it's has something to do with getting more oxygen in your body to like stimulate the production of like i don't know serotonin yeah maybe i don't actually know it has it does have something to do with oxygen i looked into i read that one time it's like what is a yawn yeah even um all right, cool. Well, um, 
we suck at ending these yeah so we're just transitioning into our normal conversation yeah <laughs> this happens a lot um we've got some more topics coming up that i think we're gonna be good we're kind of debating on how to discuss some things that are a little more contentious but um should be good as always you can follow us on instagram at meredith underscore root at aa parker one at tactic nutrition and at afternoon snack podcast which i'm really bad at posting on but i will try harder um check out our website we have a new recipe ebook that's out that's kind of cool it's like 10 of our uh favorite recipes that we make or brenda makes plus alex's special which is phenomenal um message us email us if you want to hear if you have any requests for the podcast things you'd like to hear about we're always open to that so Thanks for listening. As always, talk to you later.